take a moment to say just how blessed we are at this campus to have so many gifts, but to have one named Dorinthia Nemeth. I mean, I just don't know if you guys realize, because if, if you realize the gift we had here, let me tell you, young women for a minute, if you realize the gift that we have here in Dorinthia Nemeth, I'm telling you, you would be carrying her water for, for her, asking her, how can I serve you? Can You would follow her around like Elijah followed Elijah around so something could drip off you. And that's not just young women. I'm talking any woman of God who wants more. We have a gift in this sister, okay? And more than just the worship leader, I hope that you're following her website, her blog, her stuff that she's putting on social media. Because if you want to grow in the Lord, follow her because God is doing an awesome thing. Dorinthia, I don't get to tell you enough how much I love you. You are my sister. You are my friend. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You are a true gift to this body. Thank you for serving us the way you do. Love her. And you know what? Her husband's pretty cool, too. He's the, uh, he keeps me in line. Oh, he wrecked me last week at our board meeting. I don't know what we was doing putting him on the board. He's our comic relief. But, you know, that man has a lot of smart smarts to him, too. Don't let him fool you. But he, he I don't know, he, like, switched gears and went in the prophetic and just, like, spoke a little something else. <laughs> Messing me up like that. But I'm telling you, you know what, Pastor Albert, I need to tell you, my breakthrough is coming. And it started when you released that, that word. I feel like the Lord is, is doing some stuff. Friends, your breakthrough is, is just around the corner. I'm so excited to be here today. I want to send you greetings from my husband, Pastor Joshua Hester. As you guys know, he is at the Waterville campus, and he is, um, he is plowing away. That man of God, I mean, he always looked good, but y'all, I finally, after 17 years, 17 years this, this week, one, one of the days, I should know that, the 28th. 17 years, we're celebrating, and I finally talked him into growing his, his hair out long, and now he just kind of looks like John the Baptist to me. I'm just like, oh, he's just, he's just so godly, but with his hair long, I just, he's just even more godly. I just, I just love it and fine, too, but what a man of God. I'm telling you, women, wait. If you ain't married, it is better to stay single than marry the wrong one. Wait until God brings the man of God for you. Same thing for you, men. Don't be messed up with the wrong one. Wait. It is more important to wait for the right one. So important. Well, also, can I, can I give a shout out to my teenage sons here today? Look at, where's Shua at? I had him, I had him running around. See, he's missing his shout out, but that's okay, because I'm going to give a shout out to Deshaun. That's my weekend son. I share him with his, with his family. And I'm just so proud of our, our, the growth of our teenagers. They are growing and they are serving. Our youth pastors, uh, Steve and Angel, are on vacation. I'm so proud of them for taking a vacation. But they are doing such a great job with their teenagers. If you have a teenager in this place, I'm telling you, fire has been falling down on Wednesdays. And, and you need to get them here and get them um, plugged in where they can grow, because the most important thing for a teenager is not how many sports they're in, how many instruments they play, and what their GPA is. The most important thing for a teenager is for them to understand their identity in Jesus. That is the most important thing. And I'm telling you guys, you guys are doing a good job with your young people, okay? You just keep on pressing. And I want to encourage some of those parents that are out there today that they're like, man, but, you know, my young person has kind of went, went astray. If you've planted those seeds in them, you claim that promise over their life, and you pray that promise over their life, and you know what? And you're still the parent, especially if that child is underage and they're living in your house. Remember, you're still the parent. Drag their butts to church. 
That's what you got to do sometimes. That's okay. You get them here and let God get in them. It's, he's going to do the rest, okay? Be encouraged. These are great days. These are great days to be alive. These are great days to serve the Lord. I believe that we are going to see in the earth God's glory fall in a way that, that no other generation has ever seen. But, friends, we've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And I believe God is opening eyes and opening ears. Can I just want to take a moment to pray again. I never apologize for praying in church because the church has become a lot of things in recent years. But friends, the church, according to the Bible, is supposed to be a house of prayer. So let's just pray that God would speak to us today. How many of you guys want to hear a word from God for your life today? Yes, Lord. God, I thank you for hungry hearts in this place today. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would fill every single need, Lord Jesus, with your spirit. God, that you would draw us into your presence, Lord God. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would meet us at our point of need right now in the name of Jesus. Those who need encouragement, Lord, lift their heads, Lord. Those who need to be realigned, God, would you just get them on the right path, Lord Jesus. Those, Lord God, that are weighing a decision on what to make, God, what to do to go to right or go to the left, God, I pray that you would show them, Lord God, that you would show them what to do, Lord God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them direction, Lord Jesus. God, those who, who you are speaking um, a calling over their life and yet they've been hesitant, God, I pray today that they, would, that they would sell out, Lord God, that today would be the day that they would say, I'm all in. God, I thank you for your kingdom, Lord God. Your word says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, y'all, you know, one, one of the things I love most about South Toledo campus is I'm not on a time constraint because no one's kicking me out of this building. <laughs> so I'm going to take my time presenting this word today because I believe it's a word from God, okay? So put your seatbelts on. Put your seatbelts on because I got a lot of information to go over, but I'm telling you this is a word from God and God wants to speak to you today. We've been on a series called The Kingdom, as you know. The Kingdom. Woo! I heard Pastor Earl threw it down last week, talking about having a kingdom mindset. Friends, today I want to talk about the, the king of my heart. Because for us to be a part of the kingdom, we need to make sure that the king is the king of our hearts. So we're going to talk about the king of our heart. And I want to just break down, and I, and I believe that we've been laying a foundation these last couple weeks, but I want to break down what the kingdom is. Because if you're like me, I, I'm one of those people that I'm kind of an undercover nerd, and people don't realize that about me until they get to know me. Like, I read, like, all the time. I'm, I, I, I like to I overanalyze as much as I talk. My brain's going even faster. I overanalyze things. And sometimes I, if I don't have an understanding of something, it's hard for me to really grasp what I'm supposed to do. Am I alone? Is there anyone else? That, I, I, I want to have an understanding. I know our new office administrator, Terry, I know you want to understand. Come on, sister. I love that about you. Because if we don't understand, how can we really follow what we're supposed to do? Right? So I, I've been searching the Lord and asking, okay, God, I hear this stuff about the kingdom. I, I see, you know, Jesus preached the kingdom more than he preached anything else in his earthly ministry. But God is still just a little bit confusing to me. What exactly is the kingdom according to the Bible? 
And so I want to break that down a little bit because I know that the kingdom is more than just the kingdom of God or some places, um, and, and it's called the kingdom of heaven. And we see that Jesus said that, that he would, went out and he preached the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. I'm like, okay, so what's this kingdom mean? Well, broadly speaking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down broadly and then I'm going to bring it in closer, okay? Broadly speaking, the kingdom of God is the rule of eternal sovereign God over the entire universe. It's his rule. I love what the book of Psalms says in 103.19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Let's break down the word kingdom, okay? Let's just break down the word what it means. It says kingdom, kingdom. Break down the king apart, which is the prefix of the word, right? You guys taking you back to school. And it, and it means king. We know what a king is, right? Is a ruler over an area, over a country. Now, if we break down the second part, dom, that's the suffix part, and that com comes from rooted in the word domain. You could turn me down. I have a very loud voice. It carries. I don't want to be, okay, thank you. I keep moving the mic lower and lower to get me where I want. <laughs> All right, there you go. Adjust it. And the, the suffix part, domain, is one reign or rule. So if you just look at the word, it's king, one king, one reign, one rule. Do you see that, friends? We know that the scripture says, that there is one king and one kingdom that will last forever. In Revelation 19, it says that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I want to break something down to you because this is where things get missed, messed up in our understanding. Because Jesus preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. But we teach the gospel without the gospel of the kingdom. We, we stop at salvation in the American church. And we don't go on to saying that Jesus is more than Savior. He's Lord. He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And because we don't usually make him Lord, oftentimes we see people come flooding to the altars to make him Savior, to save them from uh, their crisis, from their sin, from hell, from damnation. But because we stop there, and don't make him Lord, we never walk what the Bible says, the abundant life, that you have everything you need for life and godliness, that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly. We don't get to that because we make him, we make him Savior, but we forget to make him Lord, Master, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And friends, there's more. There's more for you than just salvation. Salvation is a beautiful, free gift for those by grace and faith by, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, but there's more for you. He wants you to really align yourself with him. When you're born again, you're aligning yourself with his rule, his reign, his governance over your heart. That means he governs your decisions. That means he becomes Lord and king of your heart. Now, see, the enemy has been deceiving for a really long time in this area. To, to get you to not make him Lord, to trick you to not make him Lord. And we see this early on in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is one of the most famous passages probably in the Old Testament, definitely in Genesis, and that is um, what is commonly known as the fall of man, or some people um, will call it the original sin. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of original sin? Right? Um, so to recap, for 
basically, they had all the trees, Adam and Eve had all the trees that they can eat from, but God told them not to eat from this one tree of, uh, of knowledge, right? And yet, of course, they did. And so a lot of times when you think of the doctrine of original sin, you think, well, it must mean the original sin must be, mean disobedience because they didn't obey God's command. That's what I always thought. But then the Lord kind of showed me a scripture or showed me the scripture in a different translation. And sometimes when we read different translations and not like my, tra my go-to translation is the NIV. Everybody has a go-to and it's usually depending on your generation or where you got saved. If you got um, saved back in the day, King James version is your go-to. How many of y'all got the go-to King James, right? You get on fire in the 90s, oh, snap, that was the NIV. That's where I was at, okay? Now a lot of people are going um, more into the NASB or the New Living Translation. But I, I actually like to believe because of technology, you can read in so many translations. And, as, uh, you know, you have the Word of God available to you more now than ever before for free. I mean, I remember when I first got on fire going to the Christian bookstore and spending 80 bucks on, on some kind of awesome commentary or some great, now man, you just got to pull up your U version and you've got every translation you have. you got a Bible Hub um, app that is, has every translation compare, where you can compare it. But anyway, this translation is called the Darby Bible Translation, and some people say it's actually the most accurate, but, you know, there's been debates on what's the most accurate. I said go to the Greek and Hebrew. That's the most accurate. But <laughs> here we go in Genesis 3-5 in Darby Bible Translation. Again, we're in what? Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. And this is what is stated here. It says, but God knows that in the day ye eat of it, this is the enemy talking, your eyes will be open and ye will be as God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. So what really led Eve and Adam to eat of the tree is, according to the scripture, they want it to be as God. So maybe their original sin is a little deeper than disobedience. Maybe it is a desire that mankind has to want to be their own God, their own king, their own Lord, their own boss. Anyone ever have a two-year-old up in here? Come on, we see it early on. Want to be your own boss. I never had not one two-year-old that just wanted to do whatever I wanted them to do. Even my more ch uh, laid-back ones, which I really don't really have any, but even my more laid-back ones compared to my ones who aren't as laid-back, still at two years old, wanted to be their own boss. There's just something inside, I believe, of every person that we have to conquer when we make Jesus Savior and Lord that we're saying, I'm not going to be my own boss. He's going to be Lord of Lords, Master, and King of Kings. Listen, friends, we need to stop translating or, uh, the kingdom through our American, we get to vote and we get to partake in, in decisions. The way we run our government in America is good for how we run it in America, but it's not the kingdom. There's one king and one rule and one government. And that's Jesus, right? So anyway, I'm reading in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm like, man, this is interesting. And then I, you know how the Bible is broken down into chapters and verses, and then in front of chapters, sometimes there might be like a little title, right? Of course, these are things that man put in um, because 
to help us find where to go, help us navigate the Bible more since it's such an intense book, right? And so I noticed something that I never noticed before in the title of Genesis chapter 3. I always looked at Genesis chapter 3 as just the fall of man or even, like I said, the doctrine of original sin. And I noticed something in uh, a Bible that I had. The title that they had was The Temptation and Fall of Man. Now that stood out to me, The Temptation. Because I realized when I read that, that that is not just the temptation of Adam and Eve, friends. That is the temptation of every man, mankind, to want to be as God, to be our own king, to be our own Lord, to be our own boss. That is the temptation. And if we are not careful, we will give in to that temptation. But I know that there's a better way. And you know who showed us that better way? Jesus Christ showed us the better way. Oh, our Lord and Savior is so good to us, friends. He's so good to us. And the scripture in Hebrews says that we don't have a high priest that can't relate to us, but he was tempted in every way and yet still did not sin. He is so good to us. Do you know that, that before the temptation of fall of man, that God gave Adam and Eve, he gave mankind um, dominion over the land. Isn't that interesting? Now, their dominion was underneath, of course, his lordship and kingdom. But they had dominion to rule over the fish of the, and, the, uh, and the animals and to be able to do what, what God created them to do, to have governance in the land. And yet, when the enemy tempted them and tricked them to be their own king, that is when he took dominion. And the, and the scripture says that the enemy is, you know, the prince of, this, the, uh, of, the, of the ear and how he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking whom he can devour. But Jesus came to sacrifice and to die on the cross to redeem us and to buy us back from the enemy so that we can, again, underneath the headship of Christ, have dominion. But we have to not give in to the temptation to be our own boss, to be our own Lord, to be our own king. And so today I want to break down. I, that, was a, that was just me laying out a foundation, and now we're going to get into it. Okay, you ready to get into it? We're going to get into it. We're going to get into Matthew chapter 4, which I believe is a prophetic chapter for this season of our life right now in the body of Christ at this church. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. Now, if you look at the title of Matthew chapter 4, you see it is also the temptation of Christ. This is a very interesting um, chapter that has a lot of meat I believe that some of us have been in a desert season, a season of wilderness. I, I personally have been going through some things and, and just praying against the attack of the enemy, attack of the enemy, attack of the enemy. And uh, one of my sisters in the Lord texted me and said, you know, Joy, do you think that you are being under attack or do you think that you might be in the desert? And I, and I sat back when I got that text. And when people present something to me, especially if it's presented in the right way, I like to step back and, okay, well, what's, I don't know. God, speak to me through this. And the Lord um, immediately brought me to Matthew chapter 4 and said when Jesus was in the desert, he was being attacked. But it was temptation. 
And some of us are constantly saying, oh, man, I'm getting attacked by the enemy, and, I'm, and this, this attack is coming, and this attack is coming in my life. When really what, what you are in a season led by the Holy Spirit, because if you read, Jesus actually went to the desert in Matthew chapter 4 right after he got baptized by John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness because John the Baptist said, hey, who am I to baptize you? I'm not even fit to untie your shoes, right, or to tie your shoes. And Jesus, and Jesus said, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. And here comes the heavens opening and God speaking to Jesus and saying, well done, my good and faithful son, before he even did any miracle, right, because of who he is. And, and so right after that, the Holy Spirit leads him to the desert and allows the enemy to tempt him. Friends, I want to say this to you, and you got to pay attention, because when we get into deep into the word, that's when a lot of us start zoning out. But if you don't know the Bible and you don't know the word, friends, you're not going to be able to withstand temptation. Worship alone is not going to do it for you, friends, because you, can, you, you might not even be worshiping God if you don't know the word. You could be worshiping the feeling of worship. I had one friend that said some people like to worship worship. I'm all, I love worship, but friends, you've got to have an understanding of the word of God too, especially when you're fighting the enemy. Okay, so here's Jesus who, who God just did this miraculous thing, right, opened up the heavens and spoke to him in front of witnesses. The dove descended on him. The Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove, right? And now the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. Some of us have been in a desert place, a dry place, a place where we feel like God is far away and we don't know what to do. Come on. No one's ever been there before? Well, some of us are there. And in that place, the temptation is, are you going to be your own boss? Are you going to be your own king? Or are you going to let him, Jesus, be the king of your heart? And so we're going to break down the word king as an acrostic because that's how I do. Right? And we're going to have four points here that's going to help you realize who is really sitting on the throne of your heart. Who is really the king of kings and lord of lords in your heart? Is it you? Is it somebody in your life? Or is it Jesus? Because if it's Jesus, the number one, you will keep his kingdom first. Even when life is hard and we're in those wilderness seasons, we must keep the kingdom first in our life. See, Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Where we mess up is we begin to seek all the things that we need and we try to do it on our own through our own intellect, through our own talent, through our own abilities, through our own networking resources, and we forget to seek first his kingdom. Oh, friends, Jesus' temptation was to, his first temptation in the desert, we're going to break that down here in a minute, it was to be self-sufficient, to put self before the kingdom of God. See, the devil knew that he had been fasting for 40 days, right? And he went to him and said, if you are truly the son of God, then take this rock and turn it into bread. Isn't it interesting at the temptation in the fall of man, that Adam and Eve gave into what food as a temptation? Isn't that interesting? And then the first temptation here to Jesus, there was three of them. We're going to break them down. The very first one had to do with what? Food. The enemy, man, he, he's, he doesn't really mix things up too much, guys. <laughs> he's like, well, Adam and, you know, Adam and Eve fell for this one. Let's see if we can get Jesus too. 
And Jesus replied back to him, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, he's decided I'm not going to be self-sufficient and put myself before the kingdom. It's his word. God's word is what we have to live on. Come on, somebody. And I want to break down to you his response. Jesus actually quoted scripture. Old Testament scripture to the enemy. It's found in Deuteronomy. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In chapter 8, when you read Deuteronomy chapter 8 in its context, guess what was going on there? If you got your Bible, go ahead and, and, and go to it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 is when the people of Israel were, guess what, in the desert. And they were whining and complaining because they were hungry. Oh, friends. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what it was in your heart, whether you would or not, whether or not you would keep his commandments. God tested them in the wilderness to see what, to see that they would learn that they must obey what comes from God's mouth. When we obey God and we put his kingdom first, The way we do that is allowing him to rule and reign in our life. So I want to encourage you, when you're going through that desert season, you can be like the people of Israel who actually end up missing the promised land. And a whole generation died off because they were whining and complaining about everything along the journey. Or you can be like Jesus and say, I am going to let myself be sustained by the word of God and not myself. Because if you're self-sustaining, that means that you're trying to be your own boss, your own Lord, your own master, your own king. We need his word to sustain us. Amen, somebody? Come on. I'm not preaching. Am I preaching over your head? Because I'm going a little deep on you today, and I need you to get this. Are you guys catching it? You catching it up here? Come on, because he needs to be king of kings and king of our hearts. That means his kingdom's first. Say, I'm putting his kingdom first. His kingdom's going to be first in my life. I'm not going to be self-sufficient. Amen. So if his kingdom is first, that's one, one way, one sign that he may be the king of kings of your heart. If also another sign that Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart is that you have intimacy with the king. See, the Holy Spirit led Jesus, as I already said, to the desert, to the wilderness, right after an awesome baptism. And it was our intimacy, friends, that, in our, that is most tested when we are in the desert place. Let me say that again. It is our intimacy that is most tested when we are in a desert place. It's most tested and it's most developed when we are in the wilderness. Oh, I wish there was another way, y'all. I mean, let's be for real. We are people, and we don't like to be in the desert. We don't like to be in the wilderness. We don't like to be without. We, it, it's not fun. But when you're in that place, you are being developed. You are, you're, you are growing in your intimacy with the Lord because you realize, man, the only one I could depend on right now is God. Come on. So the second temptation, right, we went over the first one that that Jesus endured in Matthew chapter 4. The second one that he endured was Jesus was tested on his intimacy level because the devil even used scripture to tempt him here. 
he basically dared Jesus to throw himself from the temple, quoting a scripture saying that even the, the angels would catch you and that you would not even scrape your foot, okay? The moment an individual puts God to the test, that person gives evidence that he or she does not really trust God. The context in, 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 in which Jesus said, he said, do not test the Lord your God. He quoted scripture back to the enemy. So we need to be careful because the enemy knows scripture. The Bible says in James that, oh, you know God, you believe in God, awesome. Even the demons believe and they tremble. So you need to know scripture in its context. So here comes Jesus and he quoted back again, going back to the book of Deuteronomy. And he, he said, do not test the Lord your God. And he's referring where, where he's Quoting this is Deuteronomy 6, 16. And that is the time um, where Massa and Meribah was in the wilderness where the people murmured against God and tested him because they did not believe he could or would give them water. Massa, um, that word is one that's uh, from a Hebrew word, Nasa, and it means to test. The other one, Mer Meribah, is from the verb rib to strive. A trust that is weak or wavering seeks a sign or a dramatic intervention to make oneself steady. We need to be careful, friends. We need to be careful. Again, the people were the people who were delivered from Egypt, from slavery, who saw all kinds of plagues and wonders and, and, and walked through the Red Sea that was parted whined and murmured and complained and missed the promised land because they didn't know how to journey through the desert. So here's Jesus in the desert saying, I will not test the Lord my God. When, you're when you have intimacy with God, then, then it's not difficult, friends. It's not difficult to trust him. When you, when you have intimacy with him, you trust him because you know him. You know he's not going to let you down. It doesn't mean that you don't go through seasons where, where it's a little harder, but you lean in. That's when you lean in even more to God and say, no, God, you delivered me from this. You set me free from this. My intimacy with you is strong. My relationship with you is strong. And I know you, you brought me through this. Other things in my past, you're going to bring me through this situation right now too. Amen. Amen. Intimacy is so important. To Jesus that one of the scariest scriptures in the New Testament is Matthew 7, 21 and 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out many demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. You're evildoers. Now, notice, they weren't saying, Savior, Savior. No. They said, Lord, Lord. Which, when you see Lord, Lord repeated, Jesus did not have a stuttering problem, friends. When, he was when we see things repeated in the scripture, that was the Jewish people's way of putting an explanation point at the end of something. So when, when Jesus said, Lord, Lord, what he's really saying is, Lord, explanation point. Friends, we call him Lord, we better know him. He said, away from me. He said, they, they, they said, Lord, we cast demons out. Lord, we prophesied. Lord, we did miracles. He said, I never knew you. So 
So if they were prophesying, who were they prophesying under? If, if they were casting out demons, if they were seeing miracles, who, who was performing that? If, if Jesus said, I never knew you. And I'm all for prophecy, casting out demons and seeing miracles because I know God does those things. But, friends, you better know them. See, the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. <laughs> Don't be a Sceva believer, friends. See, the seven sons of Sceva went and they start casting out demons. They tried to. And one time they came up on a man and tried to cast the demon out. And they even try to use a phrase. Sometimes we pick up phrases in church. They try to use a phrase they heard that in the, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And guess what? Those demons answered back and said, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? You don't got no authority here. And they jumped off the demon-possessed man, jumped on the seven sons of Sceva, beat that, those sons up and sent them away naked and bleeding. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts. I'm telling you, the Bible ain't boring, y'all. It said naked and bleeding. That's crazy. Because why? Because the sons of Sceva didn't know Jesus. Listen, friends, please, if I didn't have such pretty high heels on, I would stand up on this front row and lean into y'all. I don't want you just to know Jesus because I know Jesus or know Jesus only from me. You need to know Jesus on your own. You ever hear the saying that God doesn't have any grandchildren, just children? I tell my kids, you, you might be uh, walking underneath the flowing and the blessing of your mama right now, but you better develop your own relationship. Because when you stand before God, it ain't going to be my mom and dad were sold out and I went around. No, it's what, what do you do? Who do you know? You got to have your own relationship with God. Because if not, he can say to us, away from me, I never knew you. And I really believe the reason right there that, that word knew goes back to, again, Genesis, where it says Adam knew Eve, which means intimacy. And Jesus doesn't want to be just only, he wants to be your Savior, friends, but he's so much more, he needs to be your Lord. That means one king, one rule, who's ruling our heart? Who's the king of our hearts, friends? It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be him. It can't be ourselves any longer. Intimacy is so important. Amen. All right, so here, another sign that Jesus sits on the throne of your heart. So first, we have keeping his kingdom first, right? Second, we have intimacy with the king. Intimacy with the king. I could preach a whole other message on Esther with that too, but we're going to just keep on rolling. So the third one here. If he sits on the king of your heart, then you begin to take on the nature of the king. Say nature of the king. Ooh, Philippians is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. I had to memorize it when I was in um, Bible school, the whole book. I don't know as well as I used to. But, man, there's this Philippians chapter 2 is one of my favorites. And it talks about the nature of the king. In 5 and 7, it says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some translations say, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. That's what I memorized. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. How many of y'all know we need an attitude adjustment sometimes? So we can have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Come on. Every Saturday morning when it's time for my kids to clean the house, I need an attitude adjustment because they just do not move 
the way I want them to move. I'm like, listen, y'all, there's enough of you guys that will only take an hour and a half, and I'm doing it with them. I'm not just sitting there with a the whip. I'm helping clean. Every time I have to repent afterwards because my attitude is not the attitude, or maybe it is. Maybe it's the attitude of Jesus when he flipped the tables over in the temple. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel on Saturday mornings. <laughs> All right, that's a side note. But how many of us know we need an attitude adjustment sometimes, right? So in your mindset or in your attitude, have the same as Christ Jesus who being very nature, say nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The third temptation concerns tempting Jesus to act outside of the nature of God. Hear me out, friends. I'm going a little deeper today. I hope you guys are catching this. If not, you're going to have to get the video and listen to it again because it's good stuff. Listen, God wants God wants you to have the attitude of Christ Jesus, and the temptation is going to be for you to act outside of his nature. Matthew 4, 8 through 10 says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Interesting, huh? And he says, in this I will give you, he said, all of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Interesting that, that the enemy had the ability to offer him all the kingdoms of the world. Again, remember what I said when Adam and Eve fell into some temptation? The domain that they had was given to the enemy, and Jesus had to come and, and set the kingdom up in a way that nobody understood, not even his disciples who were with him, by suffering on the cross to buy us back from the enemy. But the, but the devil is tempting Jesus to say, hey, if there was a way for Jesus to get the kingdom without going to the cross, this was the temptation right here. But in verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. <laughs> Did you get that, friends? If there was a quick route to the Messiahship, bypassing the passion and the crucifixion for which, he, for which Jesus had originally came, this was the way. This is how the enemy gets us so much, to go the quick route. We read books about it. How can we get the shortcuts to success? How can, how can we lose weight, like, 100 pounds in 10 days? Like, seriously, like, we try, we, try to, we try to take the quick way instead of lifestyle changes. We want everything quick and fast and done now. The enemy was tempting Jesus to take the shortcut. But Jesus said, I mean, it almost made, I think... I think Jesus threw up a little bit in his mouth with this one, friends. I'm serious. I mean, he was 100% human, 100% God. I think he verped. He had at least burp, throw up, vomit, a little something. I mean, he was like, he responded back so quick like, oh, no, you didn't. Worship God only. Like, I think it made his divine nature cringe that the enemy tried to get him to bow down to him. For the kingdoms. I mean, can you imagine? The Bible says that Jesus left all the splendor of heaven. What is our kingdoms on this earth compared to heaven? Jesus was like, are you serious? Oh, no. <laughs> the devil already had control over the kingdoms of the world. Ephesians 2 talks about that. But was now ready to give everything to Christ in return for his allegiance. But the mere thought almost caused the Lord's divine nature 
to shudder at such a concept. And he replies sharply, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When Jesus becomes king of our heart, we take his name and his nature, friends. That's why we're Christians. We're taking his name. The Bible says when we're born again in Galatians 2.20, that I have been crucified with Christ, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I now live for the Son of God who gave himself for me. Oh, friends, we got to get it together. We got to get it together. Is he the king of your heart? If so, you keep his kingdom first. Intimacy with the king is non-negotiable. And we begin to take on his nature. And then finally, another sign that, that he is the king of your heart is that you grow in the kingdom. We, yeah, you grow in the kingdom. Matt, listen to probably my favorite parable about the kingdom. Because what well, I'm going to read to you right now in Matthew 13, 31, and 32, it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. And though it was the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest garden and becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch in his branches. Friends, God desires for you to grow. And guess what? Do not despise small beginnings because growth always happens first in the small places and the small things. And so when God corrects you about how you are talking to your husband and it might seem small to you, you better obey because it's for real. Or if God gets on you about how harsh you were to your children, you better obey. Or if God is convicting you, the Holy Spirit is convicting you about your attitude at the workplace, you better obey. Where God sends a leader over to you to speak in love, some correction over you, don't be making up some stuff about them. You better obey and receive it. Because if you don't receive and you don't grow, friends, you don't have any place in the kingdom of God. It's serious stuff. He wants us to grow. That's why to enter into the kingdom, you have to be born again. I know some women who've had some 9, 10-pound babies, but that's still small compared to my, you know, 115-pound son. I probably was generous on that, Shua. <laughs> because we start small and we grow. And when we're born again, you might, you're, just, you're just new in it. That's okay. But you're supposed to grow and then produce fruits. Right now, if you feel that you're in a desert season, a wilderness, take courage. Because if you stand strong, what happens is your motives are purified and your backbone is solidified. And your calling friends, they get clarified. It's some good stuff. If you allow him to grow in you, I'm going to read that one more time. Your motives will be purified. Your backbone solidified. And your calling, it gets clarified. I want to bring something up to you now that is church-related. Um, because the kingdom of God, sometimes we have to talk about kingdom business. And I want to bring up something. And I, oh, I, I, I fought with the Lord about having to do this. But friends, 
I have to be obedient, and I have to give you an opportunity to be obedient too. When you came in, how many of you guys got a bulletin? Okay. Um, you might see something that's a little different. I feel like we're at a place now as a church that we need to start putting our operational expenses in there. Um, as you guys know, our church has made a lot of sacrifices here in recent li- years. We, um, we've planted, we planted another um, campus, um, and, and we're still plowing away and doing things. These operational expenses have nothing to do with our church plan in Waterville. This is just South Toledo's operational expenses. It costs about 12500 a month just to do what we do here at um, Vision Ministries South Toledo Campus. It's, it, it's not free to, to run our truck out and, and run it back three times a week to feed people uh, three, three times a week at Vision Kitchen. It might be free to the community, but it's not free to the church. Somebody's paying those bills. This electric bill, gas bill, all that stuff adds up. The stipends and salaries that our pastors get, that all adds up. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to put this in this part of the grow section because the Bible says in Galatians, did you look up, or not Galatians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, did you, were you able to get that scripture? Did Ben get that up for you? First, yep. So six, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 6 is what I felt like the Lord said to me. So sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. So, right, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We're at a place right now um, at the church that we are financially in need because we have not, we've been coming up short uh, every month this year. Um, about $4,000 uh, short for the last, what is it, four months. And so we got about a $13,000 shortage. This shows you uh, also our April, what we've received so far in April. It was even lower than what, what we had received last month at, that far into it. We're, ha- we're almost halfway through the month now, and we've only received a third of what we need for April's expenses. It just is what it is, friends. But I felt like the Lord said, our church is a church that knows how to bounce back. We've been here before. We've been here before. Our church is a church that knows how to bounce back. This church has planted. I have been a a ministry in this community for 20 years since I was 19 years of of age. And I have seen this church plant several other churches, not just since Vision Ministries, but from Solid Rock days. Do you know in 2020 we will have 25 years of ministry in this neighborhood. And and I believe the Lord said, it it says to our church, well done. We've done a great job. But we've got to sacrifice and we've got to put in the work and, and know that this is what we have to do. I understand that we're not a rich church. And that's why we do outreaches. We have Hoop for Hope coming up and other things. But, friends, we can't ask from other people what we're not willing to give for ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you, if you, are, if you consider this your church home, would you stand to your feet? If you're a visitor here, you can just chill for a minute. That's okay. But if you consider this your church home. I'm going to ask us to do something that I have never asked us to do before. I'm going to ask us to give a seed offering. See, the, the farmers, it's funny that, that, that Jesus used or, or that the, the Bible uses so much about farming. 
because it says that those who they, they sow generously, that means they throw lots of seed out to the ground, they also reap generously. But if you only throw a little bit, you only get a little bit back. And friends, I want you to search the Lord. And, and I went through it too. And um, right now my husband is working. Um, most of you guys don't know this stuff. My husband's working another job on top of us overseeing two churches so that we could bring in more for our home and bring in more for the church because we need it. And so I, I went in um, to some funds that I have for some per other things set aside, and I dug out a little offering. And I'm going to find ways where I can also give more. And I want to ask you guys, if this is your church home, would you find ways to give more? Would you just go ahead and close your eyes? There's nothing to be worried about because God is going to take care of our needs. But we're, we need to be mature enough to understand this is where we're at. You understand that? Amen. And so, Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for who you are. And God, I pray that you would begin to move on our heart, Lord God. That you would begin to move on our heart to give to you. I don't want this to be underneath any kind of compulsion or any kind of manipulation in any kind of way. But if you feel that there's something extra that you can give this month, whether it's today or tomorrow or next week, would you ask the Lord what you can give sacrificially to help us get to be where we need to be? And then you could just... You don't even have to really mark anything on your envelope, but if you want, you can mark. I, on mine, I, I marked seed offering, and that's going to go to our general fund. That's not going to go help Hoop for Hope. That's not going to help our children's ministry. That's going to help our general fund because that's where we're below at, guys. And I believe that God is going to use our faithful giving, and he's going he to do something awesome through that. You guys know Josh and I, we're not ones who talk about giving all the time. We're not ones who talk about tithing and giving all the time. But at the same time, it is part of being a good steward. It's part of being his kingdom also has kingdom business. I also want to take a moment to pray for you guys. If you've been in this place and you know that you've made Jesus Savior, but you have not made him Lord, would you raise your hand before, the, before us? Yeah. God wants you to make him Lord. That means master. That means master. You know what, can you spread those out right up here? We're going to spread out. This is so led by the Spirit, friends. This was not planned out. We did not have a committee meeting about this. This was, I didn't even know if I was going to do this until the last worship song, the last part of the worship song. <laughs> and I felt the Lord said seed offering. So we're going we're gonna to put these just regular tithing envelopes out too. And if you feel like the Lord is calling you to step it up, I want you to come up to the altar and grab one of these and pray and ask the Lord, what can I put into that? What can I give into this? What can I give into this? See, part of making him Lord means making him boss, making him ruler, making him king of your heart. And as we sow generously, we will reap generously. God is going to bless you in your, in your place of work. He's going to bless your family. He's going he's to pour back out. It's just his nature. It's who he is.
Again, you don't have to give today. If you want to, you can. We are going to have an usher at the back door. But this is for between you and God, between you to talk to him about. But I want to speak a blessing. There's some people in here that haven't made Jesus Lord. I want us to pray right now together this prayer of saying, Jesus, you are Lord. Would you pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who bought me back from the enemy. He redeemed my soul. I made him Savior. Today I'm making him Lord. Lord of lords and king of kings in my heart. Which means his way, his rule, and his authority in my life. In Jesus' name. Now, with your hands lifted up, I just want to speak a blessing to you. If you need any other prayer, I will be glad to pray for you. But I want to speak a blessing to you. And I want the Lord just to, I want you to take some time, too, and just ask the Lord to speak to you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for those who are here today, Lord God. I speak a blessing over them, God. I thank you that this is your people, Lord God. This is your body of Christ. This is your congregation, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would speak to them. God, I pray that you would speak to them about this seed offering. God, that you would speak to them about our church, Lord God, about our body, Lord God. And God, more importantly, that you would speak to them about their own life, God. God, that they would continue to make you Lord of lords and king of kings in their life, Lord Jesus. That you would sit on the throne of their heart. Lord, would you bless them and would you fill them with a greater increase of your spirit in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Again, if anyone needs prayer, I will be up here for a while, but appreciate you being here.